Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hello, hello. You are now tuned into another Dolphins podcast with some more Dolphins information. Thank you so much for joining us. It is the Jake and Josh show where we are going to go through and file through every single draft pick the Miami Dolphins had in the 2023 draft. I know they had a lot to work with, but before we get into that, I got to introduce my buddy, Josh. Josh, it's been a little while since we've been here. And um, for those watching on YouTube at Houts, I don't want to sing or, you know, push out our Spotify and iTunes listeners, but uh, you got a squad with you today back there. Yeah, I told you I had a, I, set the new camera up. I was going to shoot this thing and I looked behind me and there's like a coffee maker, a bunch of crafts and crap like that. <laughs> so I quickly pulled up a picture of Chris Greer and Mike McDaniel and thought this would be perfect for our draft episode. But uh, yeah, man, it's been a little bit since we got to talk and um, now we have four new faces that we get to talk about. So I'm excited to do this podcast, but how have you been? How was your weekend away from um, civilization? I guess. <laughs> Went to uh, Boston for the weekend. Actually, I was like neck deep in civilization. Went to a couple of Red Sox games. Uh, they went on a walk. Nice. Um, come saturday night and, it, and it, it's it's nice too because i'm not a bruins fan so uh shout out to everyone who's a panthers fan down there i mean that i can't imagine i mean what the heat just did was incredible so it's kind of parallel to that but yeah man it was a nice time went to the fine arts museum so i got to be a little artsy fartsy for a little while and yeah i mean it's it's always nice to kind of escape and, and just go breathe for a couple of days with everything that life throws at you absolutely and now you're back and you're ready to work and we got like we said some picks to talk about i guess the first thing before we even get into this jake is i think you and i did a really good job pre-draft of breaking down some of these position groups talking about some of the players that we really liked and um in typical dolphins fashion right there were some so many of those guys sitting there eyeing them staring them right in the face at 51 overall and uh they went a completely different direction so uh do, should we just jump right into the cam smith thing or do you want to sit here and talk a little bit about um how you felt when that pick went in, because I mean, we all saw the Barry Jackson article a few weeks ago. I think he even mentioned, you know, don't be surprised if they target a uh, player at a position that the dolphins are already good at. And I guess this is the perfect pick for that. So um, give me your thoughts immediately, your initial thoughts on cornerback Cam Smith from South Carolina, the dolphins draft him 51st overall. Dude, I don't know why, but my mind instantly went to Chris Harris jr. Um, I think his last year, he played in 2022 with the Chargers, I think, for a little bit. But his claim to fame was with the Broncos as this little bit of a shorter, this undrafted free agent cornerback. And I instantly, I don't know why my brain went to him. I don't know if it's that Vic Fangio defense. But, man, I I didn't hate the pick. You know, I, I understand if you don't have a first-round pick where that definite need, you can go and get that guy who comes in instantly. But, you know, you're worried. Like, oh, no, you have Darth Cater. You have Nick Needham. You have all these other guys. But then you start hearing about Cam Smith, this physical, aggressive cornerback. And, and man, it looks like that where linebacker was a weakness for this team, 
I could see them, you know, kind of going to more of a dime defense, having, you know, six DBs on the field at this point, just because of the depth. So Josh, you are, you know, you're always on top of things. You're on top of the pulse when things like this happen. So what was, what was kind of the vibe when, when not only the dolphins were on the clock, but, but I guess shortly after it as well. Yeah. I mean, immediately on Twitter, everyone was kind of in disarray, you know, okay, Darnell Washington fell, you know, this, that, and the other thing, all these guys that fans were sitting there gushing over, putting in all their mock drafts. But like you mentioned, when you sit there and think about it, I mean, the entire NFL is moving towards a pass happy league. You know, the dolphins had to feel a little bit down last season when they did have Xavier Howard banged up with the groin injuries when they were without Byron Jones. I mean, we know what this cornerback unit looked like last season, right? We don't want to have to rely on Keon cross and you don't have to rely on Justin Bethel. So um, again, I think my first initial reaction was these guys know a lot more about this group, you know, a lot more about these prospects than we do. And that's why they went this route, right? Jalen Ramsey's not getting any younger. Xavier Howard's not getting any younger. They're looking at this thing, you know, a couple of years down the road. And you and I mentioned on a podcast, they said it straight up with Eric Ezukoma, with Channing Tindall. Those guys were brought in to, you know, develop and uh, use them, not in 2022, but later down the road. So I kind of see this as a similar move there. I do think, you know, when you turn on the tape, Cam Smith is a gritty baller. I mean, he can do a little bit of everything. He got that quick. 4.43 speed he can close on a dime um you know i guess the biggest thing surrounding him was some of the off the field stuff bob mccann talked to several scouts and this was going all over twitter and you know they mentioned him as a live wire he had a little bit of anger issues and i guess that's why a lot of fans were joking that chris Greer knew a lot about this player because his son like you mentioned before we Big came point. on here landon greer plays with him at south carolina so um not the pick not the flashy pick that we all might have wanted but when you turn on the tape again when you think about what the dolphins might need in that cornerback room later down the road when you think about vic fangio straight up saying you know he spent the offseason devising new defenses and coming up with new coverages. Who knows what he has up his sleeve? Guy can play inside, outside. That's the same thing you can say about Jalen Ramsey, Darth Cater. I mean, you love the versatility in that secondary, and I'm all in on trying to see how this plays out. But my initial reaction right away was, damn, I really wanted a tight end. <laughs> Dude, but I, with that, I mean, I always – Go back to Mike Kosicki's rookie year and just how the struggles that uh, kind of rose up there when you're trying to throw a tight end and, and have them play. And and Josh, I, I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on, you know, we mentioned it with the guys last year. They were they were drafted to be developed, right? So to kind of just throw it out there, when would you expect or how do you see Cam Smith making his way onto the football field? Uh, because a couple things came to mind. First of all, I mean, you mentioned Jalen Ramsey, his ability to move around. Um, if if Cater Kohu has any weakness, I don't think he's the greatest in the box cornerback. So to me, man, I think there are a couple different things you can do, whether, you know, you have Jalen Ramsey and Cam Smith as your guys inside, maybe limiting those outside routes. And then, you know, in those situations, you have, you know, Cater, Kohu, and Xavier Howard as those boundary guys. All of a sudden, I mean, there, there are so many strengths just spread out all throughout the field where, you know, you can't ignore someone, right? You can't just pass away from Jalen Ramsey because you're going after Xavier Howard. You're going after Cam Smith, someone who's known to be a ball hawk. I know that's kind of part of his issue where he gets a little too aggressive at the time. He has a few penalties, but man, I mean... Jalen Ramsey is is that not the definition of a live wire I mean Xavier Howard is about as uh he's became become at least the the best professional he can be in terms of showing up in terms of working with the team when he wants a new contract and keeping that dialogue open I mean this seems like an ideal situation for someone who god man I saw people saying him he's a top 15 talent I don't know if that's just you know Dolphins Twitter throwing the hot takes out left and right but when you think of the opportunity to grow and develop in the system and you're going to be fighting with guys like Nick Needham an undrafted dog who is you know 
Dark Gator the same way these undrafted dogs who have fought every step of the way. I, I think he's going to really, you know, fit right in. And, and that attitude is going to be used maybe in a positive light, even though it, you know, when you're in college, it's kind of looked at it maybe a little bit differently. Yeah, I, I love that you um brought up how he's kind of similar to Jalen Ramsey because there was a post-game interview with uh Cam Smith, and I think oh, they asked cool. him, like, yeah, what he did, you know, in the second half, and he's just like, you just let your nuts drop, right? Isn't that what he said? Something like yep. that. You just go out there and you ball. And, um, I mean, when you think about what he's going to bring to that cornerback unit, and then you think that he's going to have Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey kind of molding him, Vic Fangio kind of molding him, I mean – I can understand this. And you mentioned him being, you know, what, a top 15 prospect or whatever it is going around Dolphins Twitter. That's kind of the way we went into this, right? We knew the Dolphins tried to approach things. They tried to fill some of those needs in free agency. And then after the draft where they can go out there and get best player available. So when you're sitting there on day two and you have a guy that who knows how high they had and ranked on their board staring you in the face. I mean, it was kind of a no brainer, I guess, at least in their opinion, to run to the podium and make this pick. So I don't know how immediate we'll see an impact but you're you're darn right man those battles in camp you know between him cater kohu um you know we get trill williams back this year there's another one too who's the other guy that got oh nick needham's back too i think i was thinking of somebody else but i mean that defensive back room is pretty loaded and we went into free agency thinking you know they need to bring in another veteran right we knew they needed to bring in another body now they also brought in a rookie and cam smith has that dog in him so i'm intrigued to see the way this plays out excited to I guess for the pick, a lot more excited than I was when it initially went down. But we mentioned his versatility. He played uh, 357 snaps on the outside last year and then 196 at nickel. So he can move around, do a little bit of everything. It makes you wonder what they're going to do with Jalen Ramsey. I know CK Parrott, he got real mad this offseason, Jalen Ramsey, when um, I think it was Armando Salguero called him a cornerback, and he said he was a defensive back. Even CK Parrott then tweeted, you know, we need to keep an eye on this based on what Vic Fangio said. And Jalen Ramsey's like, yeah, just wait and see. So I don't know what the Dolphins have up their sleeve, but with all those pieces in the secondary, it's going to be hard for teams to pass and to attack that. I want to go back to this Chris Harris Jr. connection because at first, you know, I started thinking about it. I'm like, you know, Denver has three great or two great other great cornerbacks. Aqib Tlaib came to mind. Champ Bailey came to mind. Um, then I thought about those defenses that were great, how Denver won a Super Bowl shortly after that time with just these defensive um, studs. I quickly realized Harris is a little shorter than Camp Smith, but but I kind of like the idea of how they reach the field, uh, kind of that same pathway. Uh, Harris's rookie year, um, he played 349 slot snaps, 53 boundary, and 29 snaps in the box. Um, he had a great tackling grade and was solid coverage grade. And to me, that's kind of how we'll see Camp Smith reach the field is just getting those couple opportunities per game. And, and you know, it's going to be one of those situations where you watch the film over and it's not like, oh, man, he sticks out like a sore thumb. Like Channing Tindall last year, we saw that he kind of stuck out like a sore thumb. And going back to that Broncos team, Champ Bailey and Brian Dawkins were both pro bowlers that year. And that really was a great opportunity for Harris to step in as an undrafted rookie and figure things out, man. If you wanted to project Jalen Ramsey and, and uh, Javon Holland as pro bowlers, I, I see parallels. The only parallel I don't want to see is that Broncos team went eight and eight. So that's, that's the one fear I have, but I don't know why I keep going back to this Chris Harris jr. Comparison, but I, I, I just really like the fit in terms of the process in terms of, having a couple games where he can come in and get comfortable and you know someone gets hurt he can come in and step up we we talked about in our book club how Noah Igbenogany gets on the field right it started with hopefully he makes a couple plays in camp and then hopefully he's just not making these huge errors and then we even did see it where he he played at what was it the Steelers game he had a pick to uh end it so yes that's he gonna did be the opportunities we see Camp Smith's gonna be put in a situation to be picked on and with his attitude I think that's like the perfect you know uh, storm for, for to wreak havoc on opposing offenses. 
Yeah, and real quick before we finish it up, you mentioned how he had a bunch of different uh, – he did get penalized, I think, 10 times last year. You know, they mentioned that being one of his issues. But that was the same thing a lot of us said about Xavier Howard coming out of Baylor. So, um, again, I'm intrigued to see the way this all works out. You mentioned some comparisons. I think Lance Zerline had uh, A.J. Bouye, and I think if you go to Player Profiler, which we use for some of our running backs, uh, they had Sauce Gardner. So I think we'll stick with either of those. And your uh, Chris Harris, I think those are all nice uh, comparisons. But overall, again, I – when it first went down, I was a little bit, you know, kind of not really bummed out, but you kind of thought it was going to go a different direction. The more you watch, the more you think about this thing long-term, I completely understand what the Dolphins were thinking. One more note, Josh, I want to get your thoughts on Charbonnet went one pick later. Uh, John Michael Jingerheimer Schmitz, excuse me, went 57th overall. And then Osiris Torrance went to Buffalo at 59 overall. So as you were seeing those picks, obviously it didn't make you feel any better, but but kind of talking about it now, is that frustration still there a little bit, especially when we start going into their third round pick? Do you wish they kind of took a different route and hoped, you know, maybe you find that corner defensive back even in the third round, just flopping through? Or, or are you kind of settled in and happy how things uh, unfolded? Yeah, I try not to be a pessimist. So I'm trying to look at this, you know, as rainbows and sunshine and all that stuff. But it definitely hurt to see Zach Charbonnet go right after, especially to Seattle. I mean, I don't know how many Kenneth Walker shares you have, but (laughs) what the hell, man? Now you got Zach Charbonnet and Kenneth Walker in that backfield. Osiris Torrance, he was a guy who I didn't really think was going to be there on day two. Um, So he was a guy I thought maybe the Dolphins would run to the podium for. But again, it had to be the way they had this board set up, you know, the best player available. And uh, we'll talk about a little bit later, but they might have an offensive lineman that can sit there and fill in. Um, but yeah, man, uh, what were your thoughts? I mean, you mentioned some of those guys that went after, there were probably even more that we could name that, you know, may have been in play there at 51. What was your initial thoughts? You know, looking back on it, are you okay with the way things played out? I go back to that Seattle Seahawks 2012 draft. And I think Bleacher Report posted an article right after, uh, lambasting them for drafting Bruce Irvin, Bobby Wagner, and then Russell Wilson. Um, I don't think any of those three guys, when they were going through that grading system, I don't think any three of those guys were needs, but I think that's where the opportunity is. And, and I'm ready to let things play out because, you know, Josh, we joke that, you know, you don't win games in April and that's why it's so easy to be positive. Well, you don't lose games in May either. So, and you don't win them. So I, I'm not ready to sit here and judge. I think the training camp battles are going to be fun. I, I do. And I will happily admit that I like to be a homer on these things because it's better than just being miserable. Uh but yeah, man, I, I'm just very interested, especially when you mentioned, you know, Vic Fangio stewing up these different defenses, Jalen Ramsey calling himself a defensive back, which it kind of sounds like we might be overreacting a little bit to, but in the grand scheme, man, it's May. I'm all for it. You know, break out the tinfoil hats. Yeah, and that's what we're going to do here. We try to be homers. We love to be homers, and that's what we're going to do. Um, And, you know, not to mention, a lot of these draft pundits loved what the Dolphins did, you know. So, um, again, I think they know a lot more than we do. Moving on now, with the 84th pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Miami Dolphins got their fantasy running back, right, Jake? The running back that we've all wanted the Dolphins to draft. Um, We talked about him a little bit on our Pokemon podcast. I think we called him a cadaver as he bounced around the field a little bit. Devon A. Chain, the running back out of Texas A&M, 5'8 and a half, 188 pounds, but he's got speed for days running a 4.32 uh, 40. So what were your initial thoughts, Jake? I mean, we kind of thought they'd go running back. We keep hearing the rumors. Even still, I think there's still rumors out there that the Dolphins could have interest in Dalvin Cook, but DeAndre Swift, I start to see him come available. My eyes lit up, but they decided to go with the young running back. And to me, Mike McDaniel has to have a plan in place. And that's what kind of gets me uh, a little bit excited for the future of the Dolphins offense. I'm interested because I saw Tajay Spears uh, went 81 
three picks before after the Titans traded up. So I'd be interested to see what happened if he wasn't picked. But man, you know, I, I see people a little concerned with this pick, especially worried about that small frame. But I mean, 2,400 rushing yards in three seasons while in the SEC, man, I'll, I'll take that. And if we too want to dive into the path of, uh, you know, how does this guy get in the field, especially his rookie year early on, man, this could become Miami's special teams, you know, darling type. And, and you know, in a weird world, like we, we were so settled on Braxton Berrios being the guy, being the slot receiver and being the former all pro kick returner, as we've been calling him. But to me, man, if I wanted to throw a hot take out there, I could I could see us sitting there like week three and, and people panicking because Barrios is barely fe- seeing the field and A-Chain's that guy back there returning punts. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts on where he might fit in and how Hurley he might fit the field, uh, excuse me, see the field when you have those veterans like Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson uh, Jr. right in front of him. Yeah, I think I absolutely like what you're saying, the way he could come in there and be a return specialist. I know there's a video floating around on Twitter where he returned a kick and everyone's losing their mind because of the speed. So I definitely think that's a way to get him the ball in his hands and to get him some touches early on. I do think eventually, though, this could be that guy that I I don't think he's going to be a three down back in the NFL. I can't really say for sure that he has that type of uh, body. But I mean, some of the things you read from, I mean, a lot of his stuff came between the tackles and he was even asked about that after the draft, you know, if you feel comfortable running between the tackles. And he said, yes, sir, I feel like I can run between the tackles outside. When I was at Texas A&M, most of his big runs came between the tackles. And um, he just said, I feel like I'm capable to do great things with the ball in my hands. And me running between the tackles is no problem at all with that. So, um, again, I don't know that he's going to surpass Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson Jr., you know, getting those touches early on. But as the season progresses, I mean, Raheem Mostert's mostly been injured throughout his career. So that's something you got to take in mind there. And I do think he'll probably fit on the depth chart he'll probably get a, he'll be probably be above miles gaskin salvin i pretty early i think but um i think i like what you're saying man with getting him some touches in the return game and even coming in there and getting some touches as a you know a pass catcher because i do think that's one of those things that intrigues you when you watch a tape is just how well he is at pass catching running some different routes and things like that so um, I, I like this pick. Again, you mentioned Zach Charbonnet, some of those other guys. I see Dolphin fans saying they got the third best back in this class. I mean, I personally thought Charbonnet was the third best back in this class, but that's not going to mm-hmm. diminish my love for Devon A-Chain and you know, how many times I'll target him in different rookie drafts. And two, it's important to keep in mind, like running between the tackles, Miami's favorite play was that stretch where you're running behind um, Tron Armstead and you're running to that left side. So to me, man, those stretch runs, that outside zone scheme, I mean, There's a difference from just running, you know, sweeps where you're just hoping that a a couple, you know, wide receivers are out there and a guy who's just getting the ball in the backfield and running behind a tackle. And I'm interested to see what he can do in a situation like that, man. I got to ask you, because people are saying like, he's the change of pace back, but what's the change of pace when everybody's already going hundred miles per hour here? What what is the situation where, you know, you might want to pull off a Raheem Mostert or a Jeff Wilson Jr. for someone like AJ? Yeah, I mean, that's almost as cliche as me always talking about thunder and lightning, right? I mean, you can't sit here and talk about change of pace back when you already got Raheem Mostert, who, I mean, you'd have to do the numbers there, but he's he might be faster than Devon A.H.A.M. for being completely honest. So um, I think that's just their fancy way of saying he's kind of a scat back that can, you know, make defenders miss in the open field. So, um, yeah, man, I, I don't know. When you take Mostert off the field, maybe that's one way to, you know, prolong his health throughout the season and make sure he does play 17 games by mixing in some Devon A.H.A.M. I mean, we'll see some more Jeff Wilson. I guess my thing is, you know, the, one of the biggest things with the Dolphins rushing attack last season wasn't so much their success in doing it. It was just the fact that at times it seemed like Mike McDaniel just wanted to abandon it. So hopefully him getting his, uh, at least to, by our opinion, right? It looked like it was his hand picked 
running back and a guy again who he thinks um you know he's already gonna have a role for i think one of the coolest quotes was at the end of uh during the, after the draft was over uh devon a chain said this offense is gonna be real scary and mentioned how uh coach mcdaniel said he wanted to build one of the fastest offenses in the nfl so um you know mission accomplished right you now got devon a chain you added him to raheem mostert uh tyree kill jalen waddle i mean the list goes on and on of all the different speed backs and speed receivers that dolphins have on that offense i'm just intrigued to see the way he's used because this is a guy that if you can um you know mention you mentioned a limitless carries a little bit but what do you think five to ten touches a game something like that i mean he's not going to be a bell cow at any point i don't think throughout his career but um yeah I, i'm intrigued to see what the way the dolphins scheme him up because he has the potential to be a game changer in the nfl as long as you know he can withstand some of those beatings that he is going to take from bigger defenders Javid Best was one comparison I saw. Naheem Hines is another. And two, it goes back to what we were talking about before, where Miami's offense, it got into trouble when they couldn't really attack um, outside, right? We saw San Francisco after that Trent Shurfield touchdown. They just kind of clogged that middle of the field. I think Pittsburgh was another team that just clogged the middle of that field. So this, to me, is just I, I'm excited to see another tool that can hopefully stretch opposing defenses to sideline to sideline, where it's opening up those gaps, especially in the secondary and just strictly, I guess, in that second level where you can turn those, you know, five-yard gashes and do a uh, 25-yard, oh my God, what did he just do play? So to me, that that is a fun pick. It's an interesting pick. And at the end of the day, it's not one. I mean, Josh, how surprised would you be? If, I mean, is there, what, what would you say the chances are that he just doesn't play at all this year? What if he's just a straight-up Channing Tindall, Eric Azucoma barely sees the field and is just, uh, you know, kind, kind of just the role guy? Yeah, I mean, it could definitely happen, right? I mean, after what we saw last year, they had no problem uh, redshirting their third-round pick last year. And, I mean, I personally thought Tyndall could at least go out there and make some noise. So I have no reason – I have no issues with them slow playing this thing. Um, before we get – before we move on to the next guy, I want to throw out these quotes from Bob McKinn. He talked to a few scouts. One said he's a small back that runs like a big back. And then he went on to say how he's a rotational guy but he's not too far behind Alabama's Jameer Gibbs. So to think about that, some scouts believe that he was, yeah. I mean, this is just one scout's opinion. Um, He talked to a few scouts, so this is a couple scouts' opinion. But just to think that he could have been just slightly behind uh, Jameer Gibbs, who, I mean, we all just, our minds exploded when that pick went in, right? I mean, so, yeah, man, I I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that I'd be too surprised based on what they did last year, but I think your way of, you know, saying that he can come in as a return man, maybe get five to ten touches as a pass catcher, whatever it may be. I know one thing. Two a time a little better be checking that damn ball off, right? When he sees uh when he sees that pressure coming and he sees the a-, a chain out there in the flats, he better check that thing off because that alone should limit some of those hits he took last season. All right, Joshua, at number 197, we had a bit of an identity crisis here, which is a little interesting when you kind of peel back the layers. Uh, but Elijah Higgins, Stanford wide receiver. Uh, Josh, the drama started right away where I think it was he was announced as a tight end, but he's technically one way or another. Some people think he's a wide receiver. Some people think he's a tight end. And stop me if you heard this before, because this sounds exactly like Mike Kosicki. Yeah, and that's what everyone keeps saying. He's going to be the, the Mike Kosicki replacement. And my first thought was, you know, why are we trying to replace the guy that they couldn't find a way Great to use? Question. But then but then we mentioned it all season long, how they had, what, 50 targets or receptions that they had to find a way. So, I mean, they didn't completely not use Mike Kosicki, but um, it is kind of funny that they went out there and the tight end they wanted to bring in was another version of Mike Kosicki. Um, I think the coolest part about this was the video. I know you saw it, right, when he got drafted, how emotional he was. He just seemed like a guy that, you know, has been waiting all his life for this opportunity and is hungry as hell to go out there and to, uh, you know, make this thing work. So 
I, I don't know how this whole wide receiver turn tight end is going to work. We didn't see – well, Tanner Connor got injured, so that's no fault against him. But this is now the second guy in that Dolphins tight end room that they're trying to convert. I think he's a little bit better of a blocker than what Mike Kosicki was. He was Stanford's leading receiver last year, 59 receptions, 704 yards. Jordan Reed's a comp for this guy. So not the worst player to be compared to. But, uh, yeah, man, this definitely feels like Mike Kosicki, you know, just a younger – hungrier maybe version that can block version of Mike Kosicki. But what were your thoughts? Because, again, this tight end class was completely loaded. So to see the Dolphins draft a wide receiver that they're going to convert to tight end, I mean, I guess that's just so Dolphins. Dude, Brenton Strange went, what, like 61st overall? And we're like, yeah, he'll be available yeah. in the sixth round. Yeah. All the mock drafts had him going like the sixth and seventh round. They are such bullshit. All those mock draft simulators, man, such, such a waste. And too, like, that's what's so important to keep in mind that nobody has any idea beforehand and the lens of, you know, the, the analysts and the lens of the scouts and the GMs are just so, so different. Uh, I I read some things that he kind of lacks a superpower where he doesn't have that one trait that you can really lean on. Uh, But that Stanford offense, I mean, I'm no college whiz, but that wasn't the flashiest offense. And he did seem like the perfect zone beater. So I kind of like this because... I don't think you needed, you know, the Mike Gesicki version of this player. You didn't need the $12 million uh, version, the 26-year-old polished. I I think what Miami needs is that zone beater who can kind of stretch in the middle. Someone who, you know, Mike Gesicki, like I said, $12 million, you're going to have him on the field all the time. I think they're going to do a better job of picking and choosing their spots with someone like Elijah Higgins. Uh, But Josh, the more I think about these guys, the more different packages you can do with guys like 8Chain and Higgins. This goes back to one of Miami's biggest issues. They could not get the plays in fast enough. So all of a sudden, you know, they, they're trying to break out in these more packages and get more creative. But I'm interested to hear your thoughts. All of a sudden, is there that concern creeping back in? Like, oh, no, like, are they going to be able to keep up with themselves at this point? Yeah, man, uh, that's a good question. I, I don't think we'll have an answer to that until preseason starts, right? And then we can sit there and, you know, speculate all we want. Um. I just think it's nice, though, to have another guy in that unit that can do a little bit different stuff and hopefully, you know, the cream exactly. rises to the top. I mean, I, again, I think we even talked about it. If they don't go uh, tight end, do they, does that not mean they think highly of Durham Smythe and Tanner Connor and some of these other guys? I mean, they brought in Eric Saubert, too, right? So there is some guys in that room. I think one of the coolest things was, besides, you know, how emotional he got, was he then talked about his relationship with Coach Embry and said, the one coach I spent the most time with was tight ends coach, Coach Embry. I love Coach Embry. To be honest, he was one of my favorite guys I met throughout the whole process, and that's an all honesty. So I'm excited to work with him. I'm excited to be challenged, and I'm excited to learn underneath him. And again, we talked about it when Coach Embry came over here, right? Um, Kittle, some of those other guys that you know evolved under him. I mean, I think the Dolphins have a plan in place. Um, I like what we see out of Elijah Higgins when you turn on the tape. But again, part of me just wonders if this was the right way to go when you had all those tight ends staring you in the face there at 51, all those tight ends, again, staring you in the face there at um, 84. If you're, I mean, if your idea was to get a wide receiver and confirmed a tight end, I mean, that to me makes me wonder if maybe tight end isn't as important as we think, right? I mean, a lot of us sit here and talk about how in, important it is to Mike McDaniel's offense. But now if he's running it back with the same group of guys, bringing in another receiver converted tight end, I mean, maybe he doesn't feel like he needs that Kittle to have as much success here in Miami as he did in San Francisco. 
and because it's, you know, a sixth round pick, it's not someone who's on the franchise tag. I don't think mine will be pressured to have him on the field, you know, 80, 90% of the snaps and get him those 50 targets. I think he's going to get some interesting opportunities where, you know, we saw last year, Tanner Connor all alone streaking down the field. I mean, if Elijah Higgins can be a little more physical, I mean, Mike Kosicki had five touchdowns last year. I know a lot of them were with Skylar Thompson at quarterback, uh, but there, there are still going to be those opportunities. And I think, you know, if Mike Kosicki was on his rookie year, the rookie deal in his second or third year, I think he would have been used a lot more efficiently. And I think as a result, we would have kind of warmed up to it a little more. But when you consider, you know, force feeding him the 50 targets, having to be on the field, wondering why use the franchise tag on that, it kind of changes things up. So, so I, I'm very, very interested to see those preseason packages, those training camp rumors about, Hey, He's not going to be on the field all the time, but it doesn't mean that, you know, the Dolphins don't know how to utilize a tight end with this skills. Yeah, and I think it's going to be nice to not have, uh, you know, every time Mike Kosicki's on the field to be telling the defense, hey, we're passing the football, right? I mean, again, this guy is being exactly. comp to Mike Kosicki. A lot of people think he's kind of that replacement, but he's much better at blocking. He's much better after the catch, which was another thing Mike Kosicki struggled with. So um, I even have written down from one of, I think it was Lance Zerline, said he was a bully, you know, at the point of attack. So, I mean, that's what we need, right? You need a guy that has a dog in him. And we're all going to be losing our mind the first time he goes up there and reaches back with one hand and makes a catch in training camp. I mean, it, it's just who we are. So uh, we'll find a way to spin this. Uh, this will be our, our fantasy darling tight end one way or the other. And I'm intrigued again to see what they can do with Elijah Higgins. We got our tight end though, Jake. We got our running back. We got a cornerback that we weren't really sure we needed. But now, offensive lineman, Jake, and we finally got a Michigan man for Steven Ross. I don't know if you saw that video, but he was sitting there joking, and it was kind of, I, I know the cool kids say cringe. It was kind of uh, a little bit, you know, I don't corny. know. I, I didn't, th yeah, corn. there you go. That's a much better word. Thank you. It, it was pretty corny. I'm sitting there. I really wanted a Michigan man, but they got one, right? They got an offensive lineman, a guy that can play tackle. You're going to tell us where you might better be fitted, but three-year starter at Michigan, earned all Big Ten honors in 2021 and 2022, allowed zero sacks on 357 snaps. And although that sounds beautiful, I did, uh, someone on Twitter mentioned that Liam Eikenberg did the same thing before he was drafted, <laughs> allowing no sacks. So we have to throw that out there. But um, this guy looks like he's pretty good and, you know, might be able to be that bully on that offensive line, might be able to, you know, find a role in the offensive line is more than just a swing tackle on a backup guard or whatever it might be. But give me your thoughts, Jake, on this offensive lineman and where you think he might be best suited on that Miami Dolphins line. I saw this pick and, and I love the idea of it. And I instantly got to thinking, I'm like, am I going to get too excited about this? But think about Miami's seventh round picks last year. <laughs> I love you just might think, yes, yes, you will get too excited about it. Um, hey, Skylar Thompson started a playoff game. I mean, it wasn't his choice. It wasn't Mike McDaniel's choice. But this team chose to keep a seventh round quarterback on the roster from the get go. Uh, they also drafted Cameron Good in the seventh round. He was a practice squad guy the whole year. Uh, but for me, man, even this is if this needs a developmental year, it seemed like Ryan Hayes, his biggest weakness was against those superstars. Oh, no, you you struggle against the guys who are the best at their job. I saw someone you know tweet out, I think it was just an Ohio State fan, which made it make a little sense, but he had a play at the uh, – Oh, it might've been the senior bowl practices yep. or something where he got yep. absolutely cooked. And all I'm thinking is, man, like he's a seventh round pick. And what you don't see is he had some great reps as well. You mentioned the no sacks and it's not like Liam Eikenberg, who the Miami Dolphins traded up to get to in the second round. This boy was made for the seventh round. This is a great pick because Josh, he can help the Dolphins in two different ways. His body type kind of fits in to be that perfect left guard that, you know, we were talking about it for uh, ages. Hey, let's draft tackles and put him at guards. He fits that. But another thing, Joshua, 
swing tackle. This could end up being the perfect swing tackle for Miami's offense. And it's kind of interesting because you look at this guy's strengths and weaknesses kind of reminds me exactly of our fears of Austin Jackson when he came out. Like it's the same thing, but again, it's different when you're doing a first round to a seventh round pick in, you know, in terms of how intense you're going to be when you're critiquing these guys. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely intrigued by it. I mean, we do have to remember, like you said, he's a seventh round pick and we do got to temper expectations. I mean, this might have been one of those guys that they were going to eye up as an undrafted acorn, right? And they were like, you know, he's just too good to pass up. We think he can have a role in here in Miami. Let's go and use that pick on him. So um, I guess I do need to temper my expectations a little bit. But when you put on the film, when you think about how well that Michigan offensive line has been, I mean, he's been part of, I think, Two years in a row now, Michigan had the best offensive line in college football. They've been able to run the ball. They've had a true identity in that aspect. And I posted a video. I mean, this guy's completely washing guys out of the picture, has a little bit of meanness to him. So, um, yeah, man, I'm I'm intrigued by it. I like what your thought process is. You mentioned on a previous pod, you mentioned again here, how you just draft tackles and let them play at guard. I mean, I, I don't want to say I'm more hyped for this than maybe Austin Jackson going into this season, you know, <laughs> or Liam Eichenberg, but Sounds I kind of like feel it. like I am. Yeah, I kind of feel like I am because we already kind of know what they are. So um, the cream rises to the crop uh, top cream rises to the crop cream rises to the top one way or the other. And I'm intrigued to see what Ryan Hayes can do um, in that Dolphins offensive line, because we keep hearing it time and time again, best five players are going to play on that unit. Who's to say Ryan Hayes can't surprise some people and make uh, a splash. And he's going to be going against some pretty damn good defenders in uh, Jalen Phillips and, you know, um, Bradley Chubb and that Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins defensive line that he's going to, you know, become pretty well acclimated to some of the league's best defenders pretty early in his career. And even if he's a practice squad guy and then he has to be called up a couple games when uh, Armstead misses a few games, man, that, that sounds like a complete win uh, just to get him in the system. And hey, who knows what will happen there. Uh, but Josh, I don't know how many of these uh, post-draft grades you've been reading. And the Dolphins have been kind of floating into the C plus, B minus range. And to me, I I'm very much okay with that because they look at the whole picture. They're like, we got to ding the Dolphins for like losing their first round pick. But you also kind of got to tip their hat because, Josh, this was the – the Dolphins are that student who showed up to maybe half the classes and he was, like, about to fail. But then his final project was so incredibly good that they're like, yeah, you know, we see it. He was a little lazy, but the smarts are there. Uh, so we're going to give him a C-plus and let him pass. But, but Josh, you cannot talk about this draft without mentioning Bradley Chubb happened because of a first-round pick. Tyree Kill, there go fourth and sixth-round picks. Jeff Wilson was a fifth-round pick. And Jalen Ramsey was a third round pick. So while these guys, you know, you don't get that excited or you're not, you're mad they didn't get too many flashy guys. I mean, Bradley Chubb, Tyree Kill, and, and Jalen Ramsey at least sound like three very, very flashy players that you need to consider when we're talking about this draft. You know, we joked about it last year, like Tyree, we're going to watch Tyree Kill highlights through the entire first round. And we should just do the same this year and be pretty content with, uh, you know, the, the entire, uh, I guess final solution the Dolphins have got out of all these draft picks yeah you can't you can't talk about the draft without mentioning those guys and I'm glad you did because I mean that was one way to spin this as a really good draft class right I mean you mentioned Cam Smith I mean we might have not have thought they need a corner but I saw a pro football focus they graded that as like the best pick on day two or something like that because of where they had him rated but again when you think about Bradley Chubb I mean we still haven't seen him take you know do what I think he's capable of and now with Vic Fangio who knows what that's gonna unleash Tyree Kill I mean um, we're still in disbelief that we have Tyree Kill, right? And then Jalen Ramsey. So 
yeah, man, I think this overall, when you look at the entire picture, this was a pretty damn good draft. And you mentioned C plus. I mean, I got by school with almost entirely with C pluses. So I think I turned out okay. I mean, I don't know what the heck I'm doing right here. I got the hair in the bun and look at <laughs> look at Mike McDaniel. He's just displeased at what I'm saying. He's like, this guy, what the hell? But yeah, man, I think overall C plus at mid B somewhere in that area because when you look at the overall picture, you got to feel pretty good about what the Dolphins did. And hopefully, again, Mike McDaniel has a way to utilize Elijah Higgins, Devon A. Chain, and hopefully Vic Fangio can get the most out of Cam Smith. And we can be sitting here talking about how elite this secondary is. I mean, we already were, though, right? So I don't know, man. I'm, I'm pretty stoked about this. Stoked about some of those undrafted guys that we will talk about later in the week. But overall, I think a C plus B, that's probably in the range where I'd give the Dolphins draft. What about you? You agree? Yeah, it's, I'd say right in there. I, I yeah, I'd say Way probably too early. To the... So pointless, though, right? I exactly. Mean, can you admit that how dumb and pointless these grades are, almost as dumb as mock drafts and things like that. Oh, and dude, welcome to the content cycle of May. Thanks for joining. It, it is, it is a little ridiculous, but but man, I think when we look at the full picture, I don't know why, but I, I just look at everything the Dolphins are doing, and I can't help but think that the Jalen Phillips pick was without a doubt the best move the Miami Dolphins have made. Just his trajectory, and you know, we joked about it early on, that 15 going up in the rafters, but man, his success and his growth throughout the two years has opened up the door for so much the Miami Dolphins want to do, and as we're shutting down here, I want to get your thoughts. Mike McDaniel said, I draft a defensive end every year if I could, uh, when, when talking about his roster. What are your thoughts on that and how he kind of ignored that, how he went against his own philosophy? Is that something we should consider again moving forward? Or, hey, Bradley Chubb, Jalen Phillips, man, you hit two home runs. You got to be really happy with what you have. And at that point, kind of swallow your pride and say, all right, no more defensive ends for us. Yeah, and, and we even saw some of the undrafted acorns we're going to talk about. There's some damn good defensive ends when you put on the tape and edge rushers. So, um, yeah, I, I think Mike McDaniel was genuine when he said that because shortly after he did, right? Isn't that when the trade for Bradley Chubb went down like later in the yeah. year? So he did get his edge rusher this season. So maybe every year he is going to bring in an edge guy. Um, and, we, again, we got to talk about some of those acorns when we get closer to that. But overall, man, I mean – Again, we can go back, we'll go back in time, and we might look at the Cam Smith pick as one of the most scrutinized, right? Because there could be an elite tight end that comes out of this. Zach Charbonnet could be head and shoulders above Devon A-Chain, but um, until you know three or four years down the road, it's all pointless. And overall, I think what the Dolphins did, when you look at the grand scheme of things, was pretty damn good. And Josh, you mentioned it. We'll be back later this week touching on some of those undrafted acorns with Merrick. We're going to pick some guys we want to ride with. Of course, man, keep in mind, Darth Cater, undrafted rookie. Nick Needham, undrafted rookie. I'm even probably already missing some other guys who have came in and, and had an impact from the team. So I'm excited to jump into that stuff. Expect that on your feed later this week. But that is it. That is all the time we have. Thank you so much for tuning in to another Dolphins podcast. We love having you join us. Please, please, please hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Leave them five stars if you think we deserve it. That just helps other people find the show. And most importantly, as we wrap up here, fins up. Fins up. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one.
Yes, we're the 